You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today we return to the monthly series, City Farming, in which new ways to think about agri-food in urban settings are discussed. This show will talk about urban orchards and sharing fruit in the city. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Julia Germania, project director at Not Far From the Tree in Toronto, Ontario. Welcome, Julia. Hello, Peggy. Thank you for inviting me to the show today. Really, really a pleasure to have you. Let's just get started at the very fundamentals, Julia. What's an urban orchard and why should we pick fruit in the city? An urban orchard means that there are fruit trees in the city. We're in the urban space and orchards. So put those two together and we should pick fruit because it's right in front of us. Why do we need to go buy berries from the grocery store that have traveled the ways to get here when, for an example, Toronto sidewalks are loaded with mulberries? Yeah, really, really cool term that you brought together urban for city and orchard. That's the fruit trees that are growing. So it's not revitalized land that's been repurposed and there's rows and rows of trees. It just happens to be in the city. It's almost the natural evolution of the city wherever there were fruit trees planted, whether residential or other city properties. And it's there. And when I heard about not far from the tree, I was absolutely delighted because my grandmother was always trying to get us to come and pick the apples that were in her yard so she could keep her grass cut. (laughs) And uh, so they were being wasted. And what a great idea with all the need that there is right now. So just to give us some of the context of the scale of the Not Far From The Tree program. Now you are in Toronto and that's a very large city in Canada, but about how many pounds of fruit would be produced in Toronto's urban orchard? Toronto, not including like the greater Toronto area, it's estimated that there are over 1.5 million pounds of fruit produced. And this is just from public trees and doesn't include what's grown in people's backyards. So it's like way over 1.5 million pounds of fruit, which is a lot of fruit. And that's just within Toronto. So not even talking about Brampton, Markham, Durham, where there are larger plots of land, more fruit trees. So yeah, it's a lot of fruit. Over a million pounds. That is a lot when we're talking about food rest but also helping people in our communities that need it. And also that it hasn't really traveled anywhere. It's right there. So that's a really great idea and a wonderful program. I'm just wondering, Julia, the idea of Not Far From The Tree, the program, where did it come from? It actually started in 2008 by the founder, Laura Rainsberg. The organization she was working for at the time was leading an apple picking exercise at the Spadina house. And I guess during that time, she started like on her way home or throughout the next couple of weeks started paying more attention to all the fruit that was in her neighborhood, which was like around like St. Clair and Bathurst. And then that's it. She kind of started just organizing her friends, just start picking off fruit trees and donating it. So it was really just like one act of her being asked to lead a, an apple picking exercise, which she had never done before. And then that's it. Not Far From The Tree was started. Um, and that was 14 years ago. We're in our 14th picking season. Wow. And we have like 11 cargo bikes. So we're picking local, but there are a large majority of our picks are transported through bikes, which also reduces our carbon footprint. Wow. What an incredible example of social leadership, somebody having an idea or an experience. I'm going to do something about this. It doesn't have to be that way. And I think what a great message. People are creators 
And so the founder of Not Far From The Tree saw something that needed to be done and didn't. And I think that's what, what a message for us all these days. You had mentioned it's over a million pounds of fruit produced each year in Toronto's urban orchard. That doesn't include the broader catchment area. But if left unpicked, how much of this fruit harvest would go to waste every year? I don't actually know like the exact number, but I could just guess that the majority of the fruit trees that grow in Toronto go unpicked unless it's growing in someone's backyard. I know the city of Toronto doesn't have like any programs where people go and pick fruit off their land. So yeah, I'm pretty sure a large majority of it just falls on the floor. Okay, so it sounds like great program, great progress at Not Far From The Tree, but we need a little bit more, whether that's municipal policy or just greater awareness of programs like this and support for it so that we can start to think about all of the things that would need to be in place to support it on a wider scale successfully. So we've talked a little bit about the amount of urban orchard that there is in Toronto, but I'm sure anyone could look around in their city and say, well, yeah, it's happening here too. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about um, the the travel that fruit doesn't have to go through. Are there any other environmental impacts of harvesting in urban orchards and sharing fruit? So the environmental impact of rotting fruit is that it ends up creating more methane gas when it sits in landfills. Landfills aren't able to like break all that nutrients down. It just sits there. It rots. The benefits of urban orchards really are they're still trees, even though they produce fruit. They're still trees in Canada, I believe, is trying to plant, what is it, 2 billion trees over the next 10 plus years. Also contribute to cleaning the air. They're also really resilient against natural disasters and they provide so many benefits. Fruit trees also provide resources for the animals and the environment. Fruit trees still do that. They're still a tree. Um, They provide all the same benefits. And so why not plant fruit trees and just have more trees to produce fresh air, but then also you get something else out of it, like an apple or a pear or an apricot that you can provide for your family, share with your neighbor, or even just share more widely. So urban orchards from an environmental standpoint are pretty awesome and really underrated. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. We need to raise the conversation level, not only on urban orchards, but planting fruit trees for the future. Exactly. Yeah. And so one of the things now that this food supply from urban orchards is being established, that you would want a stable supply because people that are helping others who are, you know, used to food coming in from a certain place, you don't want it to disappear. So in that note, how do you promote the health and sustainability of urban orchards to ensure ongoing fruit supply, either in a season or for years to come? Novel from the Tree is really trying to educate people on the importance of the fruit tree, how it builds community, teaches people's new skills, and encourage our participants to learn how to use the fruit. But also just like letting people know that different fruit trees will live for a certain amount of time. You know, we've picked off grapevines that are 100 years old, but there are other trees like apple trees or pear trees. They'll last like maybe 20 years and then they need to be replenished. A fruit tree is not like growing cucumbers in your backyard or you plant a maple tree and you leave it. There needs to be a bit more like TLC that goes into it. You need to prune your tree so that it can, you know, produce fruit. There's enough airflow. And then fruit trees don't produce fruit every season either. Fruit trees don't always last forever, even though we have apple trees that they've been in Toronto since 1800s when different settlers had come over. But again, it's something that we have to replenish or else we'll just be stuck eating grapes and apples and no other fruit that's been here for, for a long time. So yeah. 
Sounds wonderful. So Not Far From the Tree is really thinking about the future as well and providing education and resources to people um, and advocating to plant fruit trees. We are trying to work with orchard people. Um, Orchard people are like the go-to of fruit tree education um, in Toronto, but then um, they're also really popular in the States. And so just like doing a pruning workshop with them so that they can teach our participants how to properly prune their fruit tree and just share resources like you mentioned with our tree registrants because oftentimes new homeowners are purchasing homes with like five different fruit trees that they didn't plant. And so instead of being intimidated by the fruit tree, we're trying to just let people know, yeah, how to take care of them so that they can, like you mentioned, be there for the future instead of being just chopped down. Right. Really, really great um, innovation, I think, in understanding food sustainability, food sovereignty, helping out our communities. I, I think that it's great. And it sounds like that there's been a significant impact from not far from the tree could you give us some statistics, Julia? Yeah. So since 2008, Nafa from the Tree has saved over 231,000 pounds of fruit from landfills from over 2,600 trees. So every year, the number of fruit picked varies depending on the harvest season. Some trees don't produce fruit every year. So every year, our numbers kind of vary depending on if the tree is producing fruit this year. So last year, we actually partnered with 41 social service agencies and picked over 32,000 pounds of fruit within our catchment area and outside. We were also doing some picks in Brampton, um, which is a great opportunity to engage the community out there. Out of that 32,000 pounds, we donated a little over 15,000 back to the 41 social service agencies. And then the remainder was divided up between the tree registrants and then our volunteer pickers. So we have a one-third model. So one-third goes back to the homeowner. One-third goes back to the six volunteers who lead the pick. And then the final one-third goes back to a social service agency. Last year, we had engaged around 2,000 people in our picking program. We just started picking mid-June and we've already picked over 2,000 pounds of cherries and berries. And later today, I'm going to go pick a bunch of cherries. So I'm excited to see how many we collect. So yeah, it's still like the beginning of our season. And again, like the number of social service agencies depends on the how much fruit we're getting. Last year was just a, we call it like a bumper harvest year. In 2020, we actually picked 15,000 pounds of fruit. And the year before 11,000 pounds. So last year, 32,000 pounds was just, it was a crazy amount of fruit. And we were trying to find different ways to ensure that it didn't end up in the landfill. We also partnered with Revel Cider to make a beer with a bunch of apples that at that point, our social service agencies couldn't process the apples. So we're really excited that not only did we save 32,000 pounds of fruit from the landfill, but we're also able to make a cider out of it that can be shared more widely outside of the catchment area that we pick in. Fantastic. My jaw literally dropped while you were speaking, Julia, at some of those statistics to have doubled your harvest. You said 15,000. Yeah. And in 2021, over 30,000. That's incredible. But also I was thinking of the circular economy along the way that it is used, you know, in one way. And if it can't be used that way, then you've made ciders and beers and that kind of thing. And literally nothing goes to waste. So I just love the program. And thank you so much for what you and all of the team at Not Far From The Tree are doing. After the break, we'll talk about the social benefits of urban orchards with Julia Germania from Not Far From The Tree. This is Food For The Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist. Welcome back to Food For The Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill.
Welcome back to Food for the Future. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist. We've been speaking about urban orchards and fruit sharing in cities with Julia Germania from Not Far From the Tree. Julia, let's focus on some of the social contributions that urban orchards offer. We've covered really well before the break, the environmental impacts, but how do fruit sharing programs strengthen community ties and bring people together around the harvest? Oh, this is always like my favorite thing to talk about when it comes to not far from the tree, in addition to the environmental piece, is really the community. Like we know that food brings people together. Doesn't matter what culture you come from, doesn't matter how old you are. And we provide the space for that. And not only just like empty space, we're like convening people in green space, in backyards, bringing people together with similar interests. They're on a fruit pick for two hours. There's conversation about what they're going to do with it. I learned that you could make vinegar from apple scraps. Like it was just something I never even like occurred to me how to make vinegar. And a large majority of our volunteers, they do stuff with the fruit. They're coming on the picks because yes, the environmental piece, yes, the social piece where you're like donating it back to social service agencies, but really they're coming, you know, because they make stuff with that. They're making jams, they're making chutneys, pies, they freeze it. And then in the fall or in the winter, they will make something with the fruit that they pick. So it's really exciting to see strangers come together in a backyard for a couple hours and they're talking about anything, any kind of conversation, but more or less it's always around food. And that's like super special. Um, And there's you know, a bit of a lack of this sense of community. And I hate to bring up COVID, but it's true. So that's one thing that's really special is that people can be together outside, have access to green space and be safe while picking fruit and socializing with people that have similar interests, which is really exciting. It is really exciting. And I was thinking of that chutney or that, you know, apple jelly, whatever it might be that you made during harvest and had it in a cold winter month, all the happy memories that would come back through that you picked with and the contribution that you made to your community. Community. It, it just sounds wonderful. And Julia, in what ways, just to expand on all of the wonderful things that the urban orchards can offer is how does Not Far From the Tree raise public awareness of Toronto's urban orchard, but any city with urban orchard programming as a food source? We're just trying to really create awareness and like let people know that the mulberries that you see on the street, you can eat those. Yeah, basically just let people know that the fruit grown in the city is edible. You just need permission from the homeowner to pick off their tree. And a large majority of the time, people are happy to share their fruit because they know they can't use all the fruit that their tree provides. So they want to share it. And so we're just trying to let people know that you can plant fruit trees in your backyard. There are resources that will teach you how to grow them. You know, we have access to YouTube now and the internet. So it's easy to see like, how do I take care of my tree or that kind of stuff. And just like during COVID, there was this wave of people getting more into gardening and growing food on their balcony or in their home. And you can do the same thing with fruit tree, or you can join the program, have access to backyard space and have access to these fruit trees, and you can still take care of the urban orchard. So we're just trying to let people know that the fruit in the city, you can eat it and it's here and it's going to wait. And the more and more we promote the different types of fruit that are grown in the city, the more and more people will become more aware of what the fruit is. Like when I first joined Not Far From The Tree last year, there was some fruit, like a red currant. I never knew what a red currant was ever. But I led my first red currant pick and everyone on the pick shared all this information about red currants, where they come from, how they got here, what you do with them. And then now every time I'm walking around, I'm constantly like looking for fruit trees. You can totally eat it. And so the more and more 
people we educate and can engage, then the more and more people will have access to it because they know it exists and they can like look out for it and not be afraid to try something. I mean, yeah, we have the internet, there's the library, or you can always ask someone, I've seen this fruit. Do you know anything about it? Is it safe to eat? Yeah. Well, you were just really excited about it. And I think one <laughs> of the things that Not Far From The Tree um, has shown us is we we now see something that we didn't realize was there which is this incredible urban orchard and that it is a food source and that we can start to think about it as we start to think about revitalizing or using in new ways, urban spaces and helping to bridge the gap on the food shortages that many people are experiencing. Another social achievement that urban orchards can offer is helping people understand the work of social service partner agencies. And so can you expand on how Not Farm From The Tree participates in this? Yeah, so we try to do our best to uh, just share what our social service agencies are doing, um, whether that's engaging them in opportunities such as this, like being featured in the news, even letting our participants know that like these social service agencies are looking for volunteers to help with meal prep. Um, we pick local and we try to donate as close as possible to the pick, which really allows people to become more familiar with what agencies are running in their neighborhood and the hopes that they might get in involved with that agency in some way that meets their own capacity. And there's just so many social service agencies that are in a tough position right now just due to COVID. Yeah, a lot of social service agencies, their donations are low in terms of food, their monetary donations are low. There's like staffing shortages and like burnout. And then now with inflation and food insecurity on the rise in all parts of the city, everyone's like leaning on social service agencies. And so it's good that not offer from the tree, you know, we are a small team. So we're trying to do the best that we can in highlighting our social service agencies. And some of them like Harmony Hall, they make jam, like they'll do a jam session with their seniors. So the seniors make jam and then they'll sell that jam at their market as a way to fundraise back for their program. There's also like Angin. That's another social service agency that we donate to. They create soup that they like basically dehydrate it. And then it's easy for seniors to add some water. And then they have this full nutritious soup. So we're trying to highlight some of the other innovative ways that our agencies are using our fruit, whether it's to fundraise or as a learning opportunity or as a way just to bring folks together and that they can also access that fruit all year round once they are able to turn it into something else. So Wow, really fully integrated, coordinated program and a way to not only socially advance our communities, but also help the environment while doing it. Julia, we add the humanities to today's food dialogue. So philosophy, history, creativity, and how do these approaches relate to sharing fruit in the city? I think in a nutshell, it brings people together. It gives people an opportunity to connect, to talk, even just to take a break from this busy world that we're living in. One of our pick leaders had said she enjoys coming on a pick because she gets to spend two hours away from her phone, away from her computer. She can shut her brain off and just focus on pick and being present in the moment. And for others, it takes them back to when they were a child and they used to go fruit picking with their family or what whatever their experience was. Fruit is grown all over the world, whether it's a mango or whether it's an apple. People still relate to that. And there's so many ways that like community can solve the issues that we're facing today. And when we put hunger and the environment and community together, it's just all these parts coming together and it creates a healthier moment for us to just take a break and be human, get creative with what we're going to do with the fruit and think about where this tree came from. Like the 
this hundred year old grapevine? Who planted it? How did it get here? So often um, the story of how fruit trees that are now growing in here that are not native to Toronto, how they got here and waves of immigrants that have come to Canada and what were the struggles they faced? Why did they want to bring their fruit from home? And then also thinking about pawpaw trees that are a native species to this land. Where are they? They're not here anymore. And why is that? We know it's like due to colonization, but these are things that just together as a community, we're thinking about and we're trying to make change in a way that kind of checks a whole bunch of boxes off. Right. It makes philosophy a way of life. So we can talk about worldviews and learn from each other and find the way forward together. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? The thoughts I would like to share is if wherever you are in the world or in the city or in your hometown, if you notice that your neighbor has a bunch of fruit on the floor and you may happen to see a bag of compost on the curb, there's no harm in going over and knocking on their door and asking, hey, I noticed you're throwing out this fruit. Is it okay if I pick a basket for my family? There's nothing wrong with getting your friends together, going knocking on doors in your neighborhood and saying, hey, I noticed you have a lot of fruit. Are you going to use it? Can we use it and share that with your other neighbors, share that with a food bank, or even just take it home and find a recipe and teach yourself a new skill. And it literally just takes people to come together and just to go ask your neighbor, hey, can I use that fruit? Because it's going to end up in the landfill if they don't use it all. Wonderful. So the message is pick fruit in the city, look for your urban orchard and get permission. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, that's right. From whoever the fruit tree owner is. Thank you so much, Julia, for sharing your dedication and vision today. And I'm just so delighted by your and the entire team's environmental and social contributions at Not Far From The Tree. It's been wonderful having you here. Thank you so much, Peggy. I've really enjoyed sharing about Not Far From The Tree and, and chatting with you more about what we do and the hope for the future. It's been a sincere pleasure. Today, on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Julia Germania, Project Director from the Urban Orchard Program, Not Far From the Tree. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do, something to talk about. What could we create in terms of an urban orchard in our community? Something to do? Visit notfarfromthetree.org to find out more about the environmental and social benefits of fruit sharing programs in the city. Next week on the show, we return to the series Back to the Future. We'll talk with Kara Finn about local food tourism and the Middlesex County Culinary Guide. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbrae Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.